everyone and welcome to season eight of the millennial pastor podcast my name is john and i am your guest host for this season we've been talking with millennial pastors and focusing on the concerning trends in evangelical churches including the church of the nazarene regarding an aging pastorate with few new young leaders emerging i'm here today to say i am hopeful i know without a doubt god is at work in big ways this season we have been highlighting not not the despair but the hope rising through leaders investing in leaders and disciples making disciples. A big part of my hope is Christ and in seeing how churches have extended that very hope to their communities. As I'm sure you know, love is a powerful thing and love in action is even greater. Uh, well, we have a special episode today, a bit out of the normal. I have a guest host with me today, Ryan Sidom. Ryan, go and say hello. Hey, what's up you guys? Thanks, Jonathan, for having me on. Yeah, I know. And looking forward to it. Uh, you know, being being a millennial myself, I uh, I enjoy my social media, and uh, and I'm always intrigued by all the, the kind of multitude of pastor groups that I'm a part of. Uh, you know, one in particular is the Small Church Pastor Group, and it's run by Dave Jacobs. And last week, I came across a post by Ryan uh, that was way longer than I usually read. It, <laughs> it was quite the post. <laughs> Uh, but as, as I started kind of reading the few ones that you wrote, it, it just grabbed me. It was, it was interesting. And I started reading this crazy story that you were sharing and, and saw a follow-up post by you. Um, but I think it, it demonstrated the power a church has and, 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 or can have right in a community. Um, you know, one of the questions I always post, um, to my church and my leadership and other things is if, if our church were to close overnight, uh, would our neighborhood notice, right? Would anyone care? Um, I, th- I think just from the little bit I know about you, Ryan, I think, uh, I think it's safe to say that, that your neighborhood would care, right? They would notice. Um, and I'm excited to hear more, more about you, but let's start, Ryan. What, who are you? Where, where are you serving? What, what kind of where, how'd you get there? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, my name is Ryan, Ryan Sidholm, and uh, uh, so I'm a church planter and pastor in Vancouver, Washington. It's the Vancouver that you've never heard of. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> we're, we're not in Canada. Uh, we're actually uh, the largest suburb of the Portland, Oregon metropolitan area. So yeah. uh, we're just north of the river. Uh, so uh, we, we started our church, River City Church. We started our church uh, almost a little over three and a half years ago, we started on Easter Sunday, 2019. Nice. Uh, so we started our, we planted a church 10 months before the pandemic. Yep. Highly yep. recommend it. Yeah, I bet. Uh, <laughs> what a time. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, my, my wife was, uh, born and raised in Northern California, okay. uh, moved to Tennessee in middle school. Uh, we, we moved out here six years ago, uh, and we've got two boys, uh, and we absolutely love, uh, living life and doing ministry in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's, that's great. Um, yes. Okay. So you planted a church six years ago, COVID hit all that stuff. How's it been going? I know, I know you guys do church a little bit different. Um, but how's that kind of experiment been? Yeah, so we moved here six six years ago. We planted actually three and a half years ago. Three and a half. Well, I guess uh, that math makes yeah. more sense. Yes. 
Yeah. So we, we, we built some roots in the community first and, um, and you know, one of the unique rhythms that we do uh, right out the gate when we planted in uh, on Easter, 2019, we came out with this unique worship rhythm. Uh, I, I've heard small groups and missional communities do it before, but never yeah. a, a corporate church per se. Yeah. Uh, but we do this thing that we call study, serve, study, play. Uh, and the idea is the first and third Sunday of every month is a study day. And that's kind of church as you know it, you know, preaching from the word, singing, yep. uh, you know, observance of the Lord's Supper, et cetera. Uh, but the second Sunday of every month, uh, we, we uh, for lack of better words, cancel uh, our uh, regular worship gathering. And we do uh, something 100% focused on the community instead. So a service project to help somebody, you know, some people group in need. Uh, and then the fourth Sunday of every month, we do what we call a play day. And it's always family friendly and it's always fun. And it's just like a fellowship kind of day. Uh, you know, we might do a potluck brunch or, or we might show a movie, you know, and do popcorn and cotton candy, that kind oh, of things. Cool. Uh, so that's our unique rhythm. And of course, the question I always get asked, what about fifth Sundays, once sure. a quarter or fifth day, uh, we do what we call a multiply uh, service. And it's one that either we gather some of the other churches in our network that we started called Multiply Vancouver. And we just say, hey, what are some stories of what God is doing, what Jesus is doing in our community? Or we do baptism Sundays, you know, just sure. celebrating yeah. multiplication and the growth that Jesus is bringing throughout the throughout the city. Oh, I love that. So. That's that's cool. Yeah, good good for you. Um, yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll get into kind of you know how how we originally started. As I mentioned, you know, I was just scrolling through Facebook. Um, had hadn't met Ryan before, and so we had a few mutual Facebook friends, and and just reached out and said, "Dude, let's let's talk about your story." But um, so I, I don't know, it was what a couple months ago you had. Uh, you, you came into your church and had had something you weren't expecting. Uh, why, why don't you give us give us the story? Yeah, so uh, you know, just uh, walked into church, uh, walked into our building one day and saw uh, our my, my uh, the, our director of operations. She was kind of running around pretty frantically. She's like, "Hey, Ryan, I think we had a break in." Uh, and you know, just looking around stuff, you know, we're, we walk into our building and we're accustomed sometimes to stuff, you know, not smelling right, not looking right or something. Right. Cause our building, our building is used as a homeless shelter. Okay. Uh, and so okay. we're, we're used to, you know, stuff like, you know, walking in and smelling stale French fries and cigarette smoke. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, it smells like ministry. Back in church. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but, uh, but we walked in and there was like food thrown around everywhere. There was doors kicked in. We had some toys to our nursery that were just smashed uh and then i i walked into uh, our sanctuary our worship space and and just saw uh you know just uh nasty <laughs> uh, evidence evidence yeah. that uh evidence that somebody had been watching pornography on our computer in our sound booth and for yeah. lack of better words he left his dna all over our sound yeah. booth yeah so <laughs> it was disgusting crazy. yeah so what so Man, yeah. So, so, what do you guys do? Like, what was the? Because you walked in on Sunday morning. Is that when you found it, or? Yes, yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, Sunday morning, and you know, we had we had had a. 
big ministry the day the day before that uh we uh we we have this every other week uh big food pantry that we do with fresh organic produce and so we had uh volunteers that were there that they had served uh, over 450 families the day before wow. All the fresh produce that they needed, uh, and then it was a, it was a double header the, the day before because yeah. that afternoon we had there's a lot of immigrant families in our neighborhood, sure. and so we had spent uh, some uh, some time uh, making sure they could sign up for the health care that they needed, you know, with the language barrier, and so we had registered over a hundred immigrant families for for state health care. Uh, just helping them do that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, our volunteers had stayed, you know, a long day and, hey, we got church tomorrow. Let's make sure the building looks nice. And so they had cleaned it up. And so we walk in on Sunday morning and we see everything trashed and smashed. And, you yeah. know, it was a little bit disheartening. Heartening. And uh, so uh, our volunteers got to work just cleaning up selflessly, sure. you know, doing what they do. And and uh, I checked the security cameras and come to find out that this young man, um had broken into our building not once but eight times That's overnight uh he, each time he would come in he would you know just smash something new kick another door in and just you know just watch some more pornography in the computer and just i mean it's just it, this happened eight times and so we we just <laughs> we were at a loss so, you know right. it's not something that's not something they teach you in seminary so <laughs> no I, I must have skipped that day or, or class or something too I, so yeah wow yeah. yeah okay so so you guys cleaned up had service figured it out um and then so then then you guys did so then you called the police or you know how so eventually you got into a yeah. court situation. How how all that go? Yeah, so the, the the police showed up and and you know they they came and they swabbed the stuff and sure. uh, you know it was funny. It was kind of funny just uh, talking to the police and they said, "Well, we can confirm he didn't have COVID." I was like, oh, gosh. "Okay, <laughs> you know." <laughs> well, that, that's exactly what we were worried about. Yeah, <laughs> that was my worry. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. And so uh, you know they uh, they had some clear. Pretty clear pictures from the security footage, and yeah. so we we posted this guy's face. Uh, and and you know it's it's funny because one of the things I love to tell about our church plant, we planted in a neighborhood where um, we originally we asked before we started before mm. we planted, we did a neighborhood survey and we asked specifically two questions. It was a very simple survey. Number one, what does this neighborhood need? Uh, and we got answers like, you know, this neighborhood needs somebody to love it well, mm. because nobody loves this neighborhood. Mm. Uh, we need help with the homeless because nobody's helping. You know, we need help with the immigrant families and all that. You know, we got all these yeah. answers that you would expect a needy neighborhood needs. The second question was simple. Does this neighborhood need a new church? Mm. And uh, out of 100 people that we surveyed, um can you guess how many people said yes? This neighborhood needs a new church. I I, I won't even. I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it for you. Yeah, yeah. Zero. Yeah, yeah. zero people said they needed a new church, and yeah. we thought, how sad. Yeah. That love and help for the immigrants, and I was like, isn't that what church is supposed to be? Right. Yeah. Uh, but none of that was equated to a church, and so so when we started the church, we started River City Church in a neighborhood where nobody wanted us. Yeah. Uh, but now fast forward to now uh, and what we've been able to do and how we've been able to invest in the neighborhood yeah. through our service projects. Um, we shared this, the face of this young man and say, Hey, can anybody help us 
um, you know, help us track down who this guy is. And uh, within three hours, it had over 300 shares. Uh, It it had over 20,000 views. And I mean, tips started pouring in and literally just being like, we've seen this church do so much for the neighborhood and Mm. we're not okay is happening to this church you know and so uh within within two hours we had the guy identified yeah wow (laughs) yeah that's crazy yeah it's pretty quick (laughs) and so uh and so uh and it ended up being a juvenile uh Mm. and so uh, a young man um just troubled uh family life uh i mean just really disheartening to hear uh you know what what this young man is going through uh and so um fast forward to to several months later his day in court uh, arrived and and he was uh, i was there he was there and uh and uh would you like for me to share the court story now or am i getting ahead of myself yeah no yeah you're good i um you and and this is some of the stuff that, that you shared on facebook which which really stood out to me i think most and one of the reasons i wanted to you know talk with you most pastors or most people right um something that you're in charge of, you own, gets trashed by someone, you know, one of these troubled youths, whatever. And uh, yeah. you have your opportunity to take them to court and, and read them the right act. And that's not necessarily what you did. So I'm, I'm excited for you to share what kind of the approach you took and, and maybe talk about why, like why, how, how'd you get there? Um, how are you able to, to, to do the actions you took? So uh, go and share. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, leading up to this, this court date, um, I, you know, I have a lot of coaches in my life or, or not, not a lot of coaches. I have, I have a coach, but I have some mentors and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was able to talk through this situation with some people and, uh, I, I mean, to just say, you know, the way the story played out is not how Ryan would have done it yeah, in the flesh. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys where I was like, you know, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my revenge, right. you know? <laughs> kind of, um, but a lot of the mentors that I spoke to, they they asked me this question. They said, um, "How can you show grace through this, and mm. and how can you be Jesus to this young man? Yeah. How can you show the love that you've received and experienced through Jesus? How can you show that to this young man?" And you know, I really wrestled with that mm. um, uh, because you know our God is a God of love, but I also hear about our God is a God of justice. You know, and right. and so it's like it's like what you know, uh, what do we do? You know, yeah. uh, we want both, yeah, right. <laughs> and so. Uh, and so, but, um, I remember, uh, I, I thought I had more time to wrestle with this. I really did. I mm-hmm. thought I had more time, but I got phone call at around 4 PM on a Wednesday. Um, and, uh, Wednesday is small group night. So it's like, it's not like, you know, and I know a lot of people do Wednesday night church. And so, I mean, put yourself in the, your shoe, my shoes, you get a call 4 PM on Wednesday saying, Hey, tomorrow morning at 9 AM. There's a court date. This young man has accepted an offer, a plea deal. Uh, and so we need you there to either accept or reject this plea deal. But we also, if you can, if you'll provide a victim impact statement. Uh, and so I was like, wow, that's, you know, I don't have any time to do this. And so I just prayed. I said, God, I pray that you get the glory from this. And, and, and just in a moment of boldness, I, I asked the victim impact officer who was talking on the phone with me, I said, Hey, I know this guy is going to get community service. Uh, that, that's, you know, pretty standard for juvenile offenders. 
we do a lot of service projects through our church, River City Church. Um, do you think I can, in my victim impact statement, ask for this young man to do some of his service project hours through our church? We'd like to help him do that. And she said, Mr. Sithome, that's great. Uh, that's a great idea. But let me just be real with you. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, if the court agrees to it, the young man and his attorney won't agree to it. Sure. it it's very unlikely for that to happen. And so when she told me that, I, I went to work writing the victim impact statement with the goal. Yeah. I said, I want somebody in this courtroom. I want this to bother them. Yeah. Like I want them to go to bed tonight being like, what did I experience? Yeah. You know, I, I, I want, I want to ruffle their feathers in, in, in a grace filled way. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's what I, that's my mindset as I started writing this victim impact statement. And, um, you know, I wrote about, Hey, our volunteers did all this stuff. And then for them to come in and see that it was so disheartening and financially, it was a real, it was a real big hardship on us financially because it costs thousands of dollars, uh, you know, to, to, to do the repairs. And literally we, because of the repairs that we did, we had to turn, we had to not do other ministry activities and help other immigrant and homeless people because we didn't have the money because we had to replace doors right. and, and just talking about all this impact that it had on us. And, but then I, I, I kind of rounded the corner and I said, but we have no desire for um, for restitution. Uh, yeah. I was trying to think of the, the court word. We have yeah. no desire for restitution. We're not looking for this guy uh, to give us money. We have we have no ill will for this young man. We have no desire for revenge. Instead, we want to offer him forgiveness, mm -hmm. not just forgiveness. But we want to help him with his court-ordered uh, community service hours. And so if the court would allow it, we would love to be able to provide community service hours for this young man to be able to give back in a meaningful way to the people that he hurt, <laughs> right. ultimately. Uh, I, I would love for him to work side by side with our salt of the earth volunteers mm -hmm. who, when they served all day Saturday and then came in on Sunday, didn't ask any questions, just started cleaning up. I'd like for him to serve side by side with them, but in a capacity that actually helps the, the homeless people that we serve, that, that his actions ultimately hurt, uh, and the immigrant families that ultimately, uh, and so I remember them reading that victim impact statement in court. And my eyes were on the judge at that point. Sure. Uh, and and she, uh, it was really cool because like, she could tell she was tearing up. And yeah. and after the victim impact statement, um, there was about an, a really awkward 10 or 15 seconds of just silence. Yeah. And you could tell like people were like, kind of like choking down their emotions sure. and like, you know, you know that feeling. It's like, if I talk now, I'm going to cry. So like, right. hold on, let me, yeah. let me regain my yeah. composure. And you could just tell that was the sense of what was mm -hmm. happening in the court. Uh, and it was really cool. Cause the judge, she, the next thing she said, she goes, let's hit timeout on this case for a second. Mr. Sithome, I've never heard of a church doing what you guys are doing. Yeah. And, you know, that's not why I wrote the victim right. impact statement. It's cool for her to recognize that. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, man, I'm just blown away. I'm impressed. And 
wow, you know, and you could just tell it made an impact on her. And so they went about their regular court proceedings after that. And then um, and then they they turned to me and said, okay, we're about to read the sentence. Uh, Mr. Sidholm, do you have anything else you'd like to add? And, you know, I, I said, yes, I do. Um, because when they brought the young man forward, they said, um, state your name, state your age, and state your birthday, your, your date of birth. And so he said his name, and then he said, I'm 17, and my birthday is, and he named the day that was yesterday, <laughs> basically, right. as his birthday. The day uh, you know, yeah. the day before this court trial, he named it. He said, that's my birthday. And so fast forward to the end, we said, Pastor Sidholm, do you have anything to say? I said, yes, I do. Am I allowed to address him uh, directly? And she said, yes. And I said, hey, man, I just want to say happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, from from what you said this morning, I realized yesterday was your birthday and he spent his birthday in jail. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, man, I just want to say happy birthday. And and I want to tell you, man, 17 is a big year mm -hmm. because next year you're an adult. Yeah. That's you. But 17 is also the last year that you can get away with something like this and not be tried by the court yeah. as an adult. And I just want to tell you, man, like nothing you have done is irreparable. Yeah. Nothing you have done is permanent. Because when I look at you, I see a young man with a bright future. And when I look around the courtroom right now, there are a bunch of people here that want to give you help. We want to help you. We want to invest in your future. And this bright future is yours for the taking. Yeah. But only if you will reach out and take it and accept this help that we're offering you. So that's what I want to say to you, man. Happy birthday. And I hope that I can be a part of, of getting your life on track to, to a bright, bright future. Uh, and, and after I said that, you know, it's just another moment of silence in the court. And, and the court, the, the judge just said, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh at everything he said. Yeah, just wow. <laughs> just go yeah. with what he said. And so uh so they're reading his sentence, you know, his punishment, and you know, hey, you're gonna have this many days probation and you have to register with the court, and that's you know, just reading all these things, and they said, You are to have no contact with River City Church or any of the victims that have been identified. And I remember just having a moment of boldness right then. I said, excuse me, your honor, may I interrupt? And she said, uh, yes, uh, what do you need? And I said, can we strike that line from the sentence? Because I, the, the no contact with River City, because we'd really like to help this young man with his community service hours. And, and she just, she goes, wow. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's pretty unorthodox. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, I I don't know what do you you know she said that I'm okay with it but we're gonna have to ask the young man and his attorney uh, if they're okay with it and and uh, they whispered back and forth for a few seconds and then the young man spoke up and he said I want to give back to the church wow. <laughs> and, I was, wow. and I was just so ecstatic that that had happened uh, and so we were really excited uh, and so uh, and then what's really cool you know some some exciting things that happened post court um, so we we went our separate ways uh, everyone was kind of smiling as they left court yeah. and I got a call from the victim impact officer about an hour later and she said Mr. Sidholm I just 
I, I want to tell you two things. Number one, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never seen a, a more I've never seen a more powerful day in court mm. uh, than what I witnessed today. Uh, and and I was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and she said, uh, she said, secondarily, there was a court aide that witnessed the entire trial. And after everybody left, she turned to me and she said, wow that pastor's really found his calling, hasn't he? Uh, like, I, I want to see if I can go to that church. <laughs> and awesome. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and about an hour after that, so two hours after court, I got a message from uh, the director of, I, I think it's called Restitutional Services or something like that at the juvenile court system for uh, Clark County, which is the city of Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. And she said, hey, I, I've heard through the grapevine about you offering community service hours to uh, to this young man, this young offender. And, and I just wanted to be bold and ask this question. Would you be open to offering that to multiple youth offenders? Mm. We have multiple youth offenders that need community service hours, and we're looking for a meaningful way for them to give back. Would you consider River City Church being a place that the juvenile court system can send our youth <laughs> to get some? Yeah, wow. And I was like, "Oh, that's huge!" Uh, I was, I was like, is. "Of course, yes, that'd be awesome." Uh, and so, uh, and then not long after that, I get a message from the director of the Multnomah County Juvenile Center uh, Youth Center in Multnomah County. That. Portland, Oregon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so uh yep. he says, he says, Mr. Sidholm, a lot of our youth offenders are actually Vancouver residents because it's just right across the bridge. We would like to consider sending our youth your way as well. <laughs> and so and so all of a sudden it went from this break-in uh yep. to, to my mentors being like, hey, show them Jesus, give them Jesus. Right. All of a sudden, God swung open this wide door of opportunity for our little church plant to not only impact the juvenile court system of our city, but of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, and so that, you know, we're praising God for what we're chalking up as a kingdom win. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's such a cool story. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to share it with us today. Um, but I mean, what a testament to, uh, I think again, what even like as you said, like our reaction would be, this is not how I would do it, right? I'd I look for justice, I'd look for punishment, and uh, make this kid pay for you know whatever he did. But um, what a powerful opportunity that your mentors were able to speak into you. Um, the spirit apparently you know was was loud enough, right, it, uh, and present enough in your life and reactions to um, even in those moments of boldness and um, just uh, and and I love and, and in your post you said that uh, of. I wanted to bother them with the grace, right? I wanted to bother them with how much <laughs> grace I had. Um, and I know, right, that only comes from, from Jesus. That only comes from God in that, that direction of, of leading people. So um, I'm sure you've heard it, but well done. Well done, sir. Of, uh, <laughs> what a you. powerful testament to um, a very difficult area, right? Pastoring the Northwest is, is different. Uh, yeah. Definitely different than Tennessee. Um, um, <laughs> as, as I know, I know, you know, but uh, what a cool opportunity. So what, um, I don't, and I'm sure this is still new, right? This is still a little fresh, but what, what are you going to do with all these, these juvenile offenders? <laughs> What's your plan? So, you know, 
something that's cool uh, about River City Church uh, is, and, and you know, this wasn't the way, this isn't what I set out to do. So this isn't Ryan's plan. Right. This is just the way right. that the Lord's kind of unfolded some opportunities. But so we're three and a half years old at this point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, right now we, as far as volunteer hours that we've invested into the local community, we are just shy right now of 30,000 volunteer hours wow. in three and a half years. Wow. Uh, one of the things we're celebrating from last Sunday. So last Sunday was basically our nine month mark into year four. Right. Uh, so we're three years and nine months old. Yeah. But in nine months. So I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you. Yeah, let's do uh, it. In, in a year, in a calendar year, there are 8,760 hours. Yep. If you count every single hour in the right. year. This past Sunday, we hit nine months into our fourth year. And in the past nine months, we have served 8,764 hey. volunteer hours. <laughs> so we just surpassed more volunteer hours invested in the community in nine months than there are in a year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And so, uh, and so when you, when you ask, what are you going to do with all these, like, it's not like, I don't even sweat about that. It's like, we have so many volunteer opportunities coming up. One of the, one of the one, this is the one that I'm most excited about right now. Uh, So we did some research to figure out as far as kids, children, seven, you know, 18 and younger, 17 and younger that are experiencing homelessness or, or in the foster care system in the city of Vancouver that are registered in Vancouver public school system, how many of those students are there? And we identified almost 900, almost 900 students in our city that are registered in the school system that are either homeless or experiencing foster care. Yeah. And so we decided, uh, what if we were to, we were to help them, these kids have, a birthday party that they otherwise wouldn't be able to have. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're coming together and we're making what we call birthday celebration kits. And each bag that we're assembling, it has for, for those in foster care, it has a cake mix with the frosting and the candles. It has a birthday card that's handwritten. It has gifts, books, trinkets, you know, like a whole birthday yeah. party in a bag. For those that are uh, experiencing homelessness or living out of their car, which we've been uh, able to identify which yeah. ones they are, uh, we give them a gift card to go get a, pay, a cake because they don't have sure. uh, you know, an oven to, to bake yeah. a cake. And so we are doing from K through 12th grade, we're doing 900 birthday celebration kits. Wow. Uh, and that's coming up uh, at the end of the month. And so, uh, uh, you know, you better believe we've turned some heads in the city. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. wait, you're doing what? Yeah. Uh, we've turned some heads in the public school system. Uh, we've uh, we've actually caught the attention of the local newspaper and some local TV news stations. Cool. Cool. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be this giant birthday celebration kit assembly day yeah. uh, where we're going to put it. So that's my first thing. I'm like, hey, Juvie. Go. This might be a cool project for your kids to engage in. Yeah. Uh, and so, and and then we'll think of something else after that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's 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 super cool. I um, I love the I love the creativity. I just see brewing in your mind, right? As as you're thinking about these opportunities. I mean, and from the from the beginning, right, of this church plant, I think you planted with a, with with creativity, and it's been, I think, part of your the DNA of that that 
culture, right? That you're starting to develop and use to to engage. That's that's cool. Um, well, I, you know, I, again, I appreciate the time. I was I was inspired by the little little piece of that story that I was able to to hear and um, and excited to continue to follow you, Ryan, and see what you know what what you're able to do. And um, I know there's a lot of I've got friends in Vancouver and um, uh, uh, in Canada and Washington, so there's both of them. Uh, but um, it, it's it's an interesting area, and I know that area absolutely needs the love of Christ. And it's good. It's, uh, again, hopeful to see people like you and your church doing powerful things. Um, so any, any last thoughts you want to share in the time together? Pray for us. Uh, yeah, we, you know, uh, we, uh, th- that break in is not the first attack that we've experienced sure. and it's not the last. And absolutely. so, you know, we're, we're rocking the boat up here. And so we're just, we're praying for perseverance through the, through the trials. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll be praying for you and your church and, um, blessings on you and your ministry, Ryan, as you, as you continue, as, um, God opens this huge door, uh, to love on these, these young, young people, right. Coming in, um, no matter their history or past and you, continue to show a bright future for them. Well, thank you for joining us today with uh, this special episode with the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and looking forward to what's next. Thanks for joining us. Since we love millennials so much on this podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to promote our fellow millennial authors. Here's one now. Hey there, my name is Caleb Cray Haynes, and I'm the author of the new book, Garbage Theology, The Unseen World of Waste and What It Means for the Salvation of Every Person, Every Place, and Everything. In a time when the church has been far too silent on the environmental crisis facing us all, How might we have a better grasp on what the Bible says, what the science says, and how to engage in this very Christian calling to serve and keep creation? Woven through my story of working bivocationally as a pastor and a trash hauler, Garbage Theology seeks to tackle these large questions by taking a close look at what nobody wants to see, our waste. Support this author and our podcast by clicking the link in the description. Thank you. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Jonathan Wren. Original music by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing so both you and other fans of Millennial Pastors can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.